Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Minneapolis. With me is Greg Velasquez in Des Moines. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. We have a friendly tomorrow versus El Salvador, and we got to give it some thought, record a podcast about it. Greg, how are you? I'm all right, Bells. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Sun is shining. Um, El Salvador is interesting, not just because they're the opponent tomorrow, but because their path to the octagonal, the ocho, the, ocho, the octagon. The ocho, thank you. Greg's really set on this being the ocho. Um is this, this is their path. They have to win a group of five over the course of the spring and early summer. That includes the following teams, Antigua and Barbuda, Granada, Montserrat, and the U S Virgin islands, which come on, why do they have their own national team? (laughs) I don't know. It's crazy. So they can technically qualify for the world cup. That's, that's our understanding. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there's some other thing going on here. They don't get any electoral votes. So I guess Uh, they can have their, national team they should get electoral votes editorial comment all right put um, that in the platform the scuffed platform includes one line dedicated to the u.s virgin islands electoral college representation <laughs> if they win that group they face the winner of another group and the favorite i won't give you all the teams in that group but the favorite for that group is probably trinidad and tobago and then they would face those two teams, the two winners would face each other in a home away playoff for a spot in that final eight. So there's a decent chance we see them in World Cup qualifying. All that to say, decent chance we see them in the Ocho. Yeah, probably probably a little bit better than a, a coin toss. What's interesting about El Salvador, uh, it was almost like an unfortunate development for them. Um, it, again, it's gross talking about COVID in, in the sense of like what it means to sports teams. Uh, given what it's done to, you know, the global population. Uh, but in El Salvador's case, they were actually sitting in sixth place uh, by the FIFA rankings uh, when CONCACAF announced the change to the to the qualification for the HEX. Mm. So El Salvador was about to be in the HEX over Canada, over Panama, over Haiti, uh, Trinidad. And then this sort of gets dropped on them, and only the top five teams get into the HEX, <laughs> uh, or into the Ocho, I'm sorry, automatically based on FIFA rankings. So it was I almost see. just like an, an F you to El Salvador be like, they could have just kept them in and, and, and had two playoff spots and been like, Oh, tough break for everyone else. But no, uh, El Salvador gets left out and has to requalify for the final round. Um, but yeah, just kind of an interesting thing. They jumped like six spots between two, two, 2017 and in middle of 2018. So uh, yeah, they're going to be, they're going to be sort of playing for their lives here in, over the next six months. Yeah. Classic Canadian imperialism. That's <laughs> what it sounds like to me. So let's talk about them. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm I'm kind of wanting to learn more and more about all of these teams that could potentially be in the Ocho because I feel like generally we don't dive in deep to uh, to the regional competition. We know who Mexico have. We usually know what Costa Rica or uh, Jamaica might be bringing because a lot of those players sort of we see either in MLS or uh, in Liga MX or across the world. Um, but we don't always go into the smaller CONCACAF teams. And so I was just like, all right, well, let's, let's see what, see what El Salvador actually has mm-hmm. and see what the sort of talent gap is between us and them. And I think we can actually have a reasonable idea of, of what they're going to look like next year, personnel wise. 
Well, I've been I've been pitching, selling your knowledge on this all week. So <laughs> let's let's go for it. Let's go all for right, it. The, the good news is this should be a bit of a preview of what we'll see from them uh, if they if they qualify for the Ocho because uh, this I think is more or less the squad they'll bring. There are a couple of really? there are a couple of sort of uh, stand-in guys, but yeah, this is basically the team they've been playing with through Gold Cup uh, in 2019 and through their. Uh, Concacaf Nations League games, which they won their group handily at the at the end of 2019. So, like they're missing maybe two, three guys uh, that would really be either key starters, basically yeah, key starters for them. And those two, those guys would be uh, uh, Oscar Serain and uh, they're they're I, what I'm presuming to be their number one striker, uh, Rodolfo Zalaya. Uh, both of those players, I believe, play for Alianza which is going to be kind of a trend here. They've got six players in this group that play for Alianza and in the uh, Salvadoran league. And I'm, I'm expecting all six of those guys to be starting. So even though the talent isn't necessarily as high as, as what our full strength talent might be, they have a lot of guys playing together all season long. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that has its benefits, obviously. Yeah. Seren, Oscar Seren is, he plays in the Spanish second division, right? So he's like, is he the only guy in Europe on this? I mean, the only guy in like a a decent league in Europe on this roster. Uh, I think so. I I would say yes. That's probably the case. I mean, I don't want. I don't. I I should probably know more about it. Uh, Dar- Darwin Serain plays for MLS. So are they brothers? Uh, I don't know the answer to that. Okay, sorry. <laughs> doesn't really matter (laughs) that didn't get into my my scouting i didn't get into the family trees for this one (laughs) if they actually qualify for the ocho fully that's when we start doing the bloodlines full on family trees (laughs) okay uh should we should we go through what the 11 here would probably look like for uh for wednesday uh so henry hernandez is gonna be their goalkeeper i'm presuming i think he's their number one keeper uh has been for for a while now uh, split duties in the last cycle wasn't playing in the games that eliminated them, but has essentially taken over since they they fell out of uh, qualifying in 2018. And keep in mind, uh, El Salvador was has not been in the final round of Concacaf qualifying since the 2010 cycle, so they were eliminated wow. in preliminary rounds in the 2014 and 2018 cycles. So this is kind of a it's it's almost like a golden generation for them to to be where they are, which is just even on the on the verge of qualifying. Uh, and again, we'll have to see if they can actually pull it off against Trinidad. But uh, Hernandez is probably going to be their number one goalkeeper. Um, I think their center backs are pretty much set in uh, Roberto Dominguez and Ivan Mancia. And uh, Roberto Dominguez is the only player on this roster and probably in their setup uh, who is Olympic eligible. So that's kind of this huge contrast between our group in Miami and our full strength group and what like a lot of these CONCACAF teams will be because there's just almost no youth uh in in El Salvador's group right now they're gonna be they're gonna be full-grown men with a lot of savvy oh yeah uh average age here will be probably 28 again Dominguez is 23 and he's he's the youngest guy uh pretty comfortably okay did you I mean Dominguez and, and Mancia are they what kind of center backs are they? Are they, is either of them a ball player or like a ball player as in not Willie Mays, but like, uh, <laughs> like, a like, no, these who passes out of the back. 
if they are, they, they don't get to show it with El Salvador. They're they're not going to be like a slick possession team. They're gonna they're gonna be pretty well uh, oriented towards just defending, being trying trying to be organized uh, in like a four two three one, or it might look like a four four one one at times, and really just trying to like hit on the break. Uh, I mean that's that's just gonna be how they kind of play here. Well, like a team like a team like Honduras has you know, a couple of really good wingers in Kyoto and, and Elise and like, they can strike fear into you when you, you come at them, uh, in a low block. Does, does El Salvador have anything comparable to that? I mean, again, not, not in terms of, of what, of what Honduras have, you know, like we're talking, they might have guys who relatively are like their, their clear, uh, attacking talents, but their clear attacking talents are guys like, uh, we'll get to him, but Andres Flores, who was just released from the Timbers. Uh, I mean, it's the, the levels here are just uh, there's quite the gap, and I'm not saying that to, to be arrogant. Like again, they all play a lot of them play together, and if if we aren't if we aren't well organized, or if we aren't up for it, uh, or if this group that we happen to have in Miami just isn't particularly good, and we and we're going to find and we'll find that out. Um, you know, they're this El Salvador team is just a much lower level of of talent. Yeah. And just to drive home the point of not being arrogant, if we were to play them in qualifying and beat them in El Salvador, I would, I would probably drive to Chicago and offer my services as a masseuse to (laughs) Greg Berhalter. You know, I mean like that's, that would be a really big, that would, that would be so different from last cycle. And, uh, you know, it, it seems like when we go on the road against even a team of this low of a level, the expectation is we're either going to lose or, or scratch out a draw, you know? Well, some of these teams, we should have the expectation level of the early of the, uh, now defunct, uh, first qualifying round, uh, that the U S used to play in, uh, prior to the hex to qualify for the hex where we would go on the road and, and win games. It wouldn't always be pretty. Uh, you can think about even about that Cuba game we played in nation's league, uh, last November. And I know that was on a neutral site, but you know, that was just an horrifically ugly soccer game. But we still sort of, I guess, comfortably win at two zero. You think this is in that? This is going to be in that category. When we play them on the road, yes, we should we should be in full control of the game and and sort of win walking away. But it might not. We might not score seven seven goals on them. Okay. I mean, again, it's just going to be a it's just going to be a different level of of talent. But but this Miami group that we're that we've put together, I don't know for sure what that talent's going to be. This is very much like at some point second third string guys were going to be trotting out there if that even and and I don't know how they'll fare against seasoned 28 year old players who play together all year. Yeah, in in some ways it's a really good test for these guys. Wouldn't you say? I mean I mean at least to give us information about World Cup qualifying. That's what I'd say. It, it it'll be a good weed out test. How about that? A good weed out course. So like more of a uh you're going to use it to eliminate people rather than promote people. Yeah. There's again, no one, no one from the U S is going to have a game where you're like, okay, you can put that guy's name in our 11 in ink after this game. Just like, just okay. like you couldn't do yeah. it with Panama in, in, in Austria. You can't, you can't say, okay, Nico Giochini is now our number two striker. You know, like, it's just like, whoa, whoa, he, whoa. he's probably whoa, whoa. <laughs> Sebastian Soto, number three. I mean, you can't argue with their goals per minute goals per 90. Right. No, yeah, I'm just kidding. So, so you, what else you got with this with this lineup? 
Um, All right, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be probably Jonathan Jimenez at left back and uh, Brian Tamakas at right back. Uh, Tamakas is another one of the younger guys. Uh, relatively, he's twenty five, uh, and he's sort of been been the guy through Gold Cup and off and on through uh, qualifying. I'm sorry, not through qualifying, through Nations League. Right. Um, then then you get into sort of the real season guys, and that's their midfield. Uh, they kind of, I think it's kind of just like their their midfield players are clearly their best players, but they don't always play in the same spots. It's just like, okay, well, we're going to stick this guy in because he's one of our best players. Sometimes he plays holding mid, sometimes he plays attacking mid. So you could almost say it's like their Weston McKenney players where, where you're going to find a place for him. Uh, and that's Norisco or Oriana and... Uh, Darwin Serene, most likely those two guys are going to be playing holding mid. Is my is my guess. Okay, it's sort of a double pivot. Uh, and... You've got Juan Carlos Portillo, who's going to probably slot out left. He's been mostly uh, getting earning the starts out at left wing. Uh, some some combination of uh, two out of Denise uh, Pineda, uh, Marvin Montarosa, and uh, Andres Flores probably playing in the attack. Uh, and again, we're talking. Guys who are playing on that Alianza team in El Salvador, and then Andres Flores, who's been in and out of Portland's lineup, in and out of El Salvador's lineup over the past couple of years, and I believe just released from Portland. Okay. And then the striker in the absence of their regular striker would be uh, Diaz? I'm, I'm calling David Diaz. He's, he's got like five caps. Their other strikers on the roster have like five caps. Uh, very few goals. So this is this is where they're really hurting in this game at least. Uh, they're probably missing their top two strikers in Zelaya and uh, Nelson Bonilla. Uh, Bonilla played the Gold Cup. Uh, Zelaya, I think, was out with injury; didn't get back in time. Um, and it's yeah, it's just going to be. I don't know what I don't know what their strikers going to have to offer, but it won't be nearly as dangerous as if they were playing sort of their vets. Okay. And again, these new like up and coming guys that that they might trot out Wednesday are like twenty eight. So the guys that have just emerged for them are also, you know aging out of their prime almost yeah i mean it's a it's a worthwhile thing to remember how young we are as a national team and how that's not you know we we view it as positive uh you know have from the jump but it may not always be positive come world cup qualifying yeah no it's gonna be a good point and and that this is where it gets to be a good weed out course or a good you know we could have guys get schooled in sort of the wily old man game the old man tactics (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm old and I've never really mastered those, I have to admit. <laughs> I think you had to be like competent at some point. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um okay, anything else about no, El Salvador? That that's El Salvador. Uh no, I it, it's just going to be again this this is going to be a nice test of a team that plays the players that play together a lot versus our guys who are very much sort of hastily thrown together. Uh and and it, that that's something in my mind that makes it more exciting than if we were just playing uh, an El Salvador random team. So it should at least be good in that sense. Yeah. Well, what has changed? Turning over to the American side of this, the United States of American side of this, um, what has changed about the lineup since we last talked, or about the roster since we last talked? Just just the addition of Soto, I think. Soto. Soto came in after his red card in in Holland, and then I believe uh, Marcinkowski came in for David Ochoa. That's oh, right, David Ochoa. Ochoa out with a little uh, tweak in his hamstring or something like that. So that 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 takes Ochoa out of my uh, 
potential starting 11 kind of just don't care now who the goalkeeper is. I'm, I was like still praying that we get this late announcement that Turner was flying straight from Columbus to, uh, to Miami. Uh, even though he would be joining the camp late after whatever COVID protocols he'd have to pass. Uh, I'd rather, I'd still just rather start him cold and give him 90 minutes with the team. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you indifferent on the goalkeeper situation. I'd expect Hamid or Marcinkowski. Right. So, uh, should we just jump into, I, I asked for some questions from our Patreon patrons on Patreon. Um, do you want to just jump right into those? Let's do it. Cause I mean, we gave our, I gave an 11 last, last week. I'll, I'll repeat it here real quick. I had a Rajo at right back long and McKenzie at center back vines at left back. Uh, I had Ewell, Aronson and Leggett. I'm changing that to Acosta, Aronson and Leggett. All right. Just, you know. You know, just whatever. <laughs> and then I still want to see Efra, uh, DK, and Ariola across the front. So you're expecting a, a Greg Berhalter bombshell I'm in the not, next 24 I'm, hours I'm that Efra's filed that. to switch and the paperwork's gone through? I'm not expecting that. I, <laughs> I have, And I have no reason to uh, to pass that along. Um, but, you know, who knows? We can hope, right? So first, first question is going to be a bundle of two. Uh, I'll read them both from Gray Satterfield. Who on this roster has the best chance to make an impact at the Nations League final, assuming that it's a full strength A team? And then I'll, I'm going to throw Joey Antone's question in with this. Does any player in this camp have the ability to move into the executive committee come World Cup qualifiers? And um, so it's there's similar questions. I would say Daryl DK is the most likely to make an impact, the most likely to move into the executive committee with uh, Mark McKenzie in close second. And I, I, But if you put a gun to my head, I'd say probably neither of them will. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say, I mean, when we're talking who's going to join the, like our, our unquestionable like top seven, that top echelon of players we have at the moment, uh, I don't think anyone from this group will do that. Uh, but if you, if you just go with the first sort of Sebastian, part of the question. Sebastian Legette. Legit, <laughs> my guy. No, I think Legit right now is like the the place setter for that for that second group for me. He's one of them. Uh, where you know we have a big drop from that top group to Legit and and his ilk. You think so? You think there's a big drop from the top group to Legit? Yes. Yeah, I do. I think if you're talking Pulisic, Adams, Dest, uh, John Brooks, I feel like. And, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe I'm undervaluing Legit, even though I'm usually accused of overrating Legit. Uh, I do. I think that's sort of the. I mean, I you're think not, you're an MLS fanboy. <laughs> Throw them all at me. I get. I get it from both sides. So, uh, no, I want. I want to kind of change. I want to tweak the question a little bit, though, and just say I want to go with a how many. So I want you to answer this: How many players from this December camp do you think we're going to see? And I'm going to change it to this September World Cup qualifier the first group of three World Cup qualifiers that will play in September of 2021. How many are we going to see in the roster, or how many are we going to see in the lineup? In, in the roster. In the roster, I guess the one caveat, I guess, is the roster might be a little bit bigger since we're going to be playing three games, and I don't know the exact dates. It might be like eight days. Yeah. Uh, so we might need a slightly larger roster than, than just 23. But give me, give me how many of this group. You don't have to name the names yet, but just tell me how many. Hmm. Uh, four. 
All right, now now go, do you want to explain? I also have four, so I'll throw my number really? out there. Now you, you have yeah, four. <laughs> I have four. Give me your give me your rationale. Well, I think that's. I think there's just always going to be people injured. There's going to be stuff going on, so that's why four. Um, if we're talking about a first choice twenty three, um, I think Legette's the only one I'm very confident is going to be there. I'm hopeful that others from this group will progress to that level, but I am not confident in it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm basically the same. I've got I've got Legette as like the guy who I have in, uh, and then I've got like two of the center backs. I feel like two of the center backs will probably be in. I know it's like possible that that our center backs come September are Brooks, Richards, Ream, and Miazga, but it's it feels like we're going to have two of Long, Zimmerman, and McKenzie in the group still. Come that's September. that's true. That's a good point. And yeah. then I've so that's three, and then I've got one of like Yule, Aronson, Ariola still in the picture, or emerging into the picture, as it were. And then Efrain Alvarez is the fourth <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, and, and I I mean I I guess the the last spot then between Yule, Aronson, and Ariola also includes you know like Vines, DK, or Io, any any of those guys, but I don't think too I don't think we're going to hit too many of them. Uh, in the next 10 months. Right. Not to say that, that, that the door is shut on anybody, but uh, I just I just feel like we'd have to see a lot uh, in that time. And maybe we will. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely hoping we do. Uh, but I'm I'm kind of just thinking that these are these are quite a few long shots. Yeah. I guess I see DK as, you know, as we've talked about before, playing in a position where there's there's no, I mean, the clear front runner has to be considered Jazzy's artist right now. And, um, there's nobody, there's no clarity on that position, at least from the outside looking in. So, you know, if he comes in and performs really well and, you know, scores a couple goals against El Salvador, comes in in January camp, performs well again, and, you know, he could, he could, he could move as we like to say these days. <laughs> Yeah, I I think the, the uh, he still has a big hurdle to clear because I think Sargent's either right up there with Zardes or ahead of him, meaning that like you ha- DK is going to have to beat out Zardes and all of sort of the history that Zardes has mm-hmm. uh, with Burhalter um, and all of that trust that Burhalter has in him. Uh, and I I think again I'm not I'm not completely sold on on what DK does, so I'm I'm really hoping to see it starting Wednesday. Uh, but yeah, it just it, again just seems like some some short odds here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, question no, number two. We ready to move on to the next question? Let's do it. Jason Bar- Barbato says, what type of formation flexibility can a camp like this generate for the squad in 2021? And what wrinkles can we expect GGG to employ down the road if this match goes exceedingly well? Dang, this is a hard one, I think. <laughs> Greg, want to take it? <laughs> I'm I'm going to be boring here and say I'm not really expecting any flexibility uh, or or any at least any experimenting. Uh, I think the core of this lineup is going to be what the the guys that were in the January camp. So uh, if the midfield is Yule, Legette, and Aronson, uh, I would in the fullbacks are Vines and Araujo. Araujo was in that January camp in 2020. Uh, I would expect it to basically play more or less exactly like the like the January team played, which was very similar to how we played in versus Wales and Panama. So I'm really not expecting too much uh, crazy differences uh, from what we've seen in 2020 so far. And we're definitely not going to see this in this camp, us preparing to sit back and counter 
like against El Salvador. We're no. gonna they're gonna they're gonna concede possession most likely, and we're gonna have to figure out how to break them down, which is what we kind of had to do against Wales and Panama as well. Um, Travis Clark asks, "Can you please record the podcast in the tiger robes from the scuffed news video?" And I I guess uh, this is a lot to ask, Travis. <laughs> I'm gonna have to make a run to Dollar General, but it's it's not that you don't own the robe; it's that you just aren't <laughs> comfortable wearing the robe while you record. Yeah, there you go. Robert Brownlee asks, "Do you think that Greg is trying? That's Greg Gaga is trying to develop two styles of play that are complementary to each other: one based on breaking down, bunkering, Concacaf teams, and one to compete against the world's elite? Or do you think he's going for one style in general? Sort of a similar question to the one before the Tiger Robes one. Um, you think?" No, he's he's developing one style. I I think so. I think his style is going to be. I think he has shifted from uh, the passive defensive stance that we that we played through most of 2019 uh, to a um, high high higher line higher line of confrontation, more urgent press, which I think is a good move. And I would be surprised if he were to like go away from that against good teams. Like when we play Mexico, I don't think he would just be like, okay, back to the passive defense now. Like, I think he's banking on this being our best approach, uh, whether we're playing Panama, Costa Rica, Mexico, or uh, if we're in the group stage of the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let me go back. I just Something just occurred to me. Let me go back to my uh, answer on the, you know, how many players are going to make it to the in the World Cup qualifiers and say I did kind of forget about Aaron Long and Walker Zimmerman. I do think like, – I totally agree. Somebody's going to come at me on Twitter and say, like, you continue to underrate Walker Zimmerman and Aaron Long. I um, I do agree with you, Greg, that, like, most likely two of those three center backs, Long, Zimmerman, and McKenzie, are going to be in that camp. And, so and I, possibly re- all I retract. Three. I retract. Okay. <laughs> it could be all three with Brooks as a fourth. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm just, just do, trying to work out the probabilities in my head, saying most likely two out of the three. Yeah. Okay, next question. Jacob Hirsch asks us to rank and opine about the following outside back pairings. A, uh, Dest on the right, Robinson on the left. B, Cannon on the right, Dest on the left. And C, Dest on the right, Vines on the left. I'm going to go with B in a landslide. Still a bit worried about Robinson. Um, I know you don't completely share my worry on that. Destin Cannon are our two best right backs for me for the foreseeable future, so let's stick with that. Uh, I am. I don't. I don't have. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna abstain from the vote, uh, which is. I know I'm always the boring one here, but I just. I still just don't think there's any way to to conclude, uh, and we're still a year away from the first real qualifier that somehow playing Dest left Cannon right is is a is the optimal setup that we, that we should be trotting out. So I'm going to just say we still need a lot of information on these, on these pairings uh, to see what we come up with. And I think it's probably pretty clear to everyone that Brian Reynolds will be the starting right back anyway (laughs) by September. (laughs) Um, So, uh, so I feel like all of my options are incomplete. Any new uh, transfer rumors coming across the transom at uh, scuffed, Des Moines? No, no, okay. we're not. I'm not. I'm not delving into any you, transfer. You don't I mean, even I hear. I hear a ton. Don't get me wrong. Agents <laughs> constantly. It's not even they have to come to me. Like if you're in Des Moines, Iowa, and you're out, you're just gonna run into dozens of 
top level soccer agents talking yeah. about their clients. Totally. Everyone knows that. <laughs> I thought maybe you were so frustrated with transfer rumors that you just threw your trans- transom out the window, <laughs> got rid of it completely. I don't even know what a transom is. <laughs> I think a transom is a window, so I don't know how I would throw it out the window. Uh, uh, okay. I, I get what you're saying, though. I feel like for these for these outside back pairings, and I, I'm essentially, especially for the purposes of qualifying, I'm comfortable with any of them. I'm comfortable with, with Robinson playing on the left. I, I do think he's going to give us a lot in the attack when he plays. Uh, I think it's a bit unfair to judge him based on you know the two days in camp. I, one of the really illuminating things that Burhalter talked about, I think right after the Wales game, uh, was that they'd had 12 minutes in training to work on the press uh, wow. together as a group, which is insane and also shows like, again, it, there are logistics that you have to think about here. These aren't video game players that you just jump in, that you just put in and, and they instantly have all the information they need to play together. Uh, so Robinson coming into that setting is, you'd expect him to look not quite as sharp as someone like Cannon, who's been in multiple camps, multiple like extended camps between January and Gold Cup. Uh, and and then playing against a much weaker team in Panama versus Robinson, who's who's just sort of thrown into the deep end right away. And and I'm not trying to make excuses for him. I'm saying we should expect there's going to be that bit of like a discomfort right away, uncomfortableness, and and we should hope to see him then sort of become more and more uh, comfortable as he gets more familiar with the teammates and the systems. Yeah. Okay. Totally fair. I'm going to throw a question in here that just occurred to me. You know, watching Brian Schmetzer push the spectacles up on his nose and and lead a huge comeback for Seattle Sounders last night over the Minnesota United. How much, you know, how much do you think we it makes sense to have a, a national team coach like that who just kind of rolls the ball out there and tells Nico Ladero to play the triangle offense? You know. <laughs> Is that the is that the reputation Schmetzer has? Yeah, he definitely has a reputation as just kind of like let's let's get let's just play, doesn't he? He's not I, he's I not know. seen as like a as a sophisticated tactician. I I mean I honestly don't know. I think that's going to be a Joe Lowry question. I think you're going to have to get Joe Lowry out here and have him uh, okay. defend Schmetzer. Well, I mean I don't know that it needs defense. It's just it's an um, attack. You're you know, that Schmetzer. type of coach. I hate Brian. No, I don't. I don't. I think I'm, I'm asking if that's like uh maybe that's a better fit for a national team. Not that there's any, I don't have any big problem with Greg Berhalter. I'm just talking here. It's just a podcast. <laughs> it's, I feel like we're relitigating the, uh, the Bruce arena. Uh, yeah. Let's just get Bruce back out here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> um, okay. Next question. Christian Ott asks how much lower is the bar for players making a world cup qualifier roster compared to making a top 23 man roster due to how crammed the qualifying schedule is how what do these players need to prove that they to show that they are trustworthy in world cup qualifying rosters um the bar i would say the bar for a real roster is always going to be lower than the bar for an ideal 23 just because of people are going to be injured um but what do these players need to prove you got any any ideas? Uh, I, I basically just think we need a, a couple of performances that look solid. That, that for me, especially in most of Concacaf, like uh, that's the bar. And it doesn't mean that you'd play them over somebody else. But uh, I'm going to use Uliana as, as an example because uh, he had barely played for Heron Vane going into the weekend. Uh, 
but he had two games for the U.S., and in both those games, on rewatch, Uli looked better in that Panama game than I remembered. Uh, I guess technically he has three games because he came on as a sub against Wales as well. Uh, but he has never looked like out of place. He hasn't looked like he's going to cost you something uh, any more than any other uh, r- like role player for the U.S. Uh, and for me, that's basically already enough. Like if, if we're in a pinch and we need to uh, get a winger in, I, at this point I would much rather have Ulianas come in than someone like a Tyler Boyd who's uh, a more established professional for sure, uh, but who has been really hit or miss for the national team, and in my opinion, mostly miss. Uh, and that's so, as far as the trust goes, we I, I only need a couple of games uh, to get to put him into a qualifier. Now, it doesn't mean that they're going to deliver. Like, if we, if, we have, if we have to rely on Ulianas at Azteca Stadium uh, in a World Cup qualifier, I'm not super confident that he's going to uh, win a game for us. Right. But if we're at the point where we're, we're turning to our fourth or fifth, you know, sixth, striker on the de- or winger on the depth chart there's no one else who i'm like oh this guy definitely will will do it right yeah isn't that cool that uli I, I feel like it's cool that uli has played well for the national team and i agree with you he looked better on rewatch against panama than initially i thought and then he and he and richie ledesma both came on and were impact subs in a air divisi game over the weekend which, you know, I wasn't sure. I was starting to worry about Richie Ledesma a couple months ago. Like, what's going to ever happen with his career? And and now, you know, now I'll deny that if anybody asks me if I did worry. <laughs> yeah, I meant to mention this is the jump. The the U.S. playing the game on Wednesday against El Salvador is probably like the fifth biggest uh, U.S. story of the week. Yeah, uh, the, the, the lineups for the 3 p.m. Eastern games should have been announced since we started to record. And, um... Let me just look it up while we're talking here. Uh, the Barcelona Juventus one. Dest and McKinney both uh, start. McKinney and Dest both start, yeah. Yeah, so uh, between all of that, between the MLS uh, playoffs where, where you're getting, you know, whether whether Jordan Morris is delivering or not, like if you are interested in the U.S. national team, you're going to be watching Morris's minutes. You're going to be watching Matt Turner, who had a ton of great uh, saves in the game against Columbus. You're going to be watching Zardes. So all of these, like, first choice players are actually playing for their clubs and then the and then the u.s gets to also play a nice little bonus game for us to enjoy uh, on wednesday right yep yeah i guess i i would say in, in in answer to christian's question i just think they need to be like somebody needs to be a complete player at their position i'm just totally making this up as i go here but <laughs> good good to competent in every facet of the game and i, and I of course my mind is on daryl dk and mark mckenzie primarily um that mean for DK that means finding chances and combining well in the middle of the field for McKenzie that means just a lockdown outing at center back plus some of the line breaking passes that are kind of his uh you know his distinctive feature uh I'll I'll even I'll even essentially like uh say they don't even have to have that <laughs> where really? you said the the part you said specifically about being good to competent in every facet of the game uh for CONCACAF qualifying I feel like you can make you can make your way in uh, if you're just very good or you know better than average at like a very specific thing. That if we don't have it somewhere else, so if we're talking about that division of labor, it's sort of the Jackson Ewell concept. Where uh, I'm not saying he's he's incompetent, but if he's got these weaknesses that uh, that limit him in the in the club world, that doesn't necessarily limit him through World Cup qualifying. If if what he's strong, if there is one area of strength. Uh, is enough to give us an advantage somewhere. Right. How's that? It's great. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, 
Fair enough. So last question from Carlos Sanchez. Does the inclusion of Soto in any way, the inclusion of Soto in this camp, in any way mean that DK Akinola, the other striker in the camp, aren't impressing? Are not impressing? And I'm going to say no. I don't think it. I don't think it means that Soto needs national team caps. I mean, you'd have to. You're going to have to send a certified letter to Daniel Smith to get like full <laughs> the full details on all this. But he was out of commission at Telstar thanks to a red card, so it was a shrewd move anyway. I thought for Berhalter McBride and company to bring him in for this camp. It's possible that DK and Akinola are underperforming, but this is not an indicator of that. I don't think. I'd agree with you there, and I would actually be surprised if Soto starts. Uh, not disappointed, but maybe a little disappointed, just because it'll be uh, just a more interesting experiment to see one of these new guys. But uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me too much if Soto... Uh, or, I'm sorry, it would kind of surprise me, sorry, if, if Soto ends up starting, despite yeah, his, same uh, here. his special invitation to come in. Yeah. I think that would be... Well, it would be tough on DK and Akinola. <laughs> Anything else? But again, but again, this is still just this is still just sort of a meet and greet camp. Knowing that in a in in three weeks after this game, they're going to announce another thirty man camp. I'm sure that's going to be you know a three week thing. So if you just kind of got to make your introductions this time around, even if you don't play in the game, like hey, we'll see you back in three weeks, uh, and and that's when you can really make your case. Central seven thirty Eastern tomorrow. I. Don't think I'm going to be watching it live, but we'll 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 record something on Thursday morning, Thursday morning, Thursday noon, something like that. So yeah, I'll have to watch it a couple of times overnight just to make sure I get all my all my ducks in a row. I'm I'm to be honest, I'm mostly going to just be watching to see how El Salvador plays. This is going to be the <laughs> basis of my full full El Salvador scouting report for the Ocho. Great, great. Hey. um... I don't think we got anything else. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you.